That's in the Bible, episode 11, Which Bible is the Right One? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric and you are joining us for our 11th episode for That's in the Bible. Trying to get back to being uh, regular again and to uh, trying to put out a show a week. And today's is, is a good one, I think. Which Bible is the right one? And joining me today are our regulars. We've got Steve from beautiful Western New York. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you, Eric. And we also have Matt with the squeaky chair up in uh, Syracuse area. How you doing? I'm, doing? I'm doing real good. It's good to be saved. It is great to be saved. Amen. And uh, we have got, a, I think, a interesting show because, you know, how many times do you talk to people and say, oh, the King James, I can't read it. It's got those these and thous and... And uh, what's wrong with just updating uh, the language you know, of the Bible? You know, it's no big deal. So we'll be we'll be talking about that here in a in a few minutes. So anything new, guys? Anything anything new since we last got together? Well, I just uh, had a trip with the family. Uh, well, at least the family that's left anyway. My uh, daughter and her friend and my wife went down to Florida for a little while and and visited in Pensacola. Had a good time seeing uh, two of my boys that are down there going to Bible school and and uh, just had a good time of refreshment and, and uh, it was it was just good to get back there. No, it's good. How about you, Matt? I uh, actually this last uh, Sunday uh, morning we uh, brother Dom Morrow uh, and uh, I know you know him, Steve, and you yeah. do also, Eric. A uh, good brother in the Lord. Uh, him and I, we went to uh, uh, Freedom Baptist Church in Auburn, New York, and we actually went there to uh, listen to uh, Brother Sutek, which is a missionary now out in uh, Romania. Actually, one of his co-laborers there in uh, Romania uh, is the pastor uh, Brent Logan, uh, which is a missionary again out there in Romania, and he was great. It was just such a blessing and uh, really had a good message, you know, and and uh, it was just a blessing to be there and to meet him. And hopefully, you know, I told him about our show, and, and he seemed really interested. So he said he's going to drop us an email, and hopefully uh, him and Sutek, uh, Brother Sutek, can get on. And uh, and we can talk to him, and they can bring to us uh, kind of their work there in uh, Romania. It's pretty interesting stuff. Amen. Yeah, that that would be interesting. And, boy, you're talking about taking the gospel to all the world. To To me, Romania seems like... <laughs> like, and I, you know, I actually had the. It's amazing once, uh, you know, once you get saved and, you, and you're able to talk to these uh, great men of God. You know, I really think of uh, Brother Sutek as a great man of God. You know, I've got a couple of his uh, street preaching books, and uh, if nobody really knows about him, you should definitely pick up some of his books, like the uh, Street Preachers Manual, stuff like that, by him. And then finally, to be able to go out street preaching with him, uh, you know, probably about six months ago, I think we went out there. And uh, just to be by his side and, and uh, doing the Lord's work and preaching uh, to the lost out there, boy, what a blessing that was. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we've got a lot of things we want to get to today. So we'll, I thought we would start with our quote 
of the day. And this quote of the day is another audio clip. We haven't actually done an audio clip in a while. And uh, this is the audio clip from Miss California from the Miss USA pageant, which had uh, which had taken a place uh, this month of April. And uh, we're going to, first of all, listen to the question, and then we'll hear her answer. Here it is. Your question comes from judge number eight, Perez Hilton. Vermont recently became the fourth state to legalize same-sex marriage. Do you think every state should follow suit? Why or why not? I think that I believe that a marriage should be between a man and a woman. No offense to anybody out there, but that's how I was raised, and that's how I think that it should be between a man and a woman. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Carrie. All right, guys, what do you think? Do you have a to comment on what she had to say? Well, I just thought she was you know, probably going to say the obvious, but uh, she was extremely polite, uh, you know, didn't want to, you know, no offense to anybody, I think was her, was her quote or something along that line. And, and uh, you know, hardly an offensive statement, let's put it that way. She just stated her opinion. But, but <laughs> you know, and, and I, you know, I don't watch and haven't watched the, any of these pageants, and I'm certainly not defending the pageants themselves, but it didn't seem like such a controversial statement, did it? You know, and, and uh, I thought the question was interesting. Of course, what they don't tell you, the fellow that asked that question, his name is Perez Hilton. Well, that's what he goes by. His real name is Mario Armando Lavendero, and uh, he's a Cuban-American, um, and he's a gay activist. Uh, he's worked as a media relations assistant assistant for LGBT rights organization GLAD, which is a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered rights organization. He's a freelance writer for many gay publica- publications. He uh, has worked as a receptionist for the New York City Gay Events Club Urban Outings and uh, was briefly the managing editor of Instinct, a gay men's magazine. So hardly a, um, oh, you know, off-the-cuff uh, general kind of question. He obviously has an agenda that he wanted to put forth. And not only did he uh, have that question there, but apparently not, he asked the question and apparently didn't like the answer one bit because uh, here's, here's what he had to say when he was interviewed later on about that. Celebrity gossip columnist Perez Hilton. And Perez, uh, you were one of the celebrity judges. You were the judge who asked her this question last night. What was your reaction after you heard what she said? I was absolutely shocked and incredibly frustrated and hurt and disappointed because that is not the kind of woman I want to be Miss USA. There's a difference between running for president and being a beauty queen. A president is affiliated with a political party. That political party has ideologies they are in favor with or against. Uh, A beauty pageant queen, Miss USA, should represent all Americans. And with her answer, she instantly was divisive and alienated millions of gays and lesbians, their family, their friends, and supporters. Now, let me explain to you. She lost not because she doesn't believe in gay marriage. Miss California lost because she's a dumb Okay, this is how a person with half a brain answers the question I posed her. If that girl would have won Miss USA California, I would have gone up on stage. I 
not. I would have gone up on stage, snatched that tiara off her head, and run out the door. And then I would have probably been arrested. But you know what? So be it. Oh, thank goodness Miss South Carolina won, or North Carolina, whichever one won, because she deserved it so much All more. All right, and that, that was his, uh, his answer. He certainly wasn't happy. Uh, he went on to, to um, you know, to say that something about, uh, what, uh, she's not running for president or, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and it, wow. it was kind of a, a setup, you know, to have that question. And then, and then, of course, like Steve said, I mean, she was really polite, you know, and, that, and that's a lot of what happens. I mean, uh, I know at, uh, at work I got asked this question, and, and it was a loaded question, of course, you know, especially oh, because uh, they know what I believe. <laughs> you know, they know what, the, <laughs> what God says in the Bible. And they, and they asked me, they said, well, what do you think about that? And whenever anybody asks me, what do I think about that? I say, well, listen, the Bible says and what God says, and uh, which is what I believe. Um, and, and I tell them, I say, listen, you know, it, the Bible says that it's sin. The Bible says it's an abomination to God uh, to, for man to lie with man and woman to lie with woman. Now, of course, uh, we have uh, freedoms. Uh, you know, God gives us the choice to be able to do what we want. But there's consequences. And, you know, a lot of people say to me, well, you know, you live your life and, and uh, we'll live our life and everything, everybody will be okay. But the problem is, is that God sends judgment not only on individuals, but also on whole nations. And, uh, and especially, I mean, I, I truly believe we're going to see more and more now that uh, these more states are going and allowing gay marriages. Uh, it do- doesn't just affect us, uh, them individually if they're sinning, but also the whole nation that God's going to pour out his wrath. So well, you know, I, I'm sorry, Eric. Let me let me just jump in here. You know, his his comment. You know, he was shocked and offended and hurt <laughs> by a response of a of a of a young lady uh, who is just speaking her opinion. I mean, if he's not wearing his feelings on his sleeve, I don't know what he's doing. I mean, he's got a big old chip on his shoulder, and he's he's parading it around, wanting someone to knock it off. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Here, here he's asking this question, and, and by his his response, he doesn't want people to be genuine. He doesn't want people to be real. He wants them to lie about it. I mean, you know, he, they're not a, in a political office, therefore they don't have to really state what they believe or hold to the agenda of the party and all this kind of stuff. No, just lie about what you really feel and tell us what we want to hear. And that's the kind of thing that he's he's... Uh, advocating that she should have done. I mean, you know, basically he just he he set her up so that he she would say feel embarrassed to say what she probably really felt and say what was politically correct so that he could get across his agenda. Little did he realize he stepped on, into a, a situation where a young lady wasn't ashamed to say what she really believed, and here he's hurt. Well, it just so happens that he's part of that that lifestyle, and and you know she said something nasty against him. She didn't say anything nasty at all. Mm-hmm. And for him to go on a tirade and and spout off these expletives, you know, just to to uh, add emphasis to his outrage, I mean, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable. They have to, uh, I say they, the, the the militant homosexual movement. Uh, just has to try to throw such a hissy fit, <laughs> and that's what it is. <laughs> Somehow it seems fit. appropriate. Yeah. 
you know, to try to, to get the rest of us to be outraged. I, I actually applaud the girl for standing up. You know, I, I didn't watch the thing. I have no idea, you know, what took place. But on the first clip, the people in the audience applauded. Man. I mean, the majority of people sided with her. And, uh, you know, he didn't get the reaction he wanted from the crowd either. So he was just all upset and, and hurt and offended and shocked and frustrated. And, oh, poor man, you know, well, <laughs> poor whatever he is. Uh, you know, I, I just think they, I, I'm sorry, that was insensitive. <laughs> um, you know, they ought to get themselves, you know, right with God and, and just, you know, stop trying to, to make people say what they want them to say. And, you know, that I think that's it exactly. And, you know, I, I guess take comfort because one of the great signs of the second advent, the reappearance of, of, of the days of Lot. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's talked about in Luke seventeen twenty eight, yeah, and And so we, we start talking about, uh, you know, licensing sex perverts and and sodomites to uh you know to do their to do their sin and, you know yeah. that, that that license when you present that uh gay marriage license at the white throne oh. and you you hand it over to god or you know let's let's see how how much that's gonna that's gonna wash i don't think you're gonna have to wait till the white throne judgment <laughs> yeah what's well, not <laughs> i'm sorry but i you know, uh, war is God's judgment on nations. And, of course, there's other things that go along with them. And they can yell and scream at Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell and all the others. But uh, natural disasters are at the hand of God, and he can move them however he wills. And uh, he could punish whoever he wills. Uh, there's no respect of person with God. If a Christian happens to be in the line of fire... Uh, the Christian gets it just as much as anyone else, but uh, you know he still uses those forces of nature to uh, pronounce his judgment. Just take a look in the in the Bible. He 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 sends famine, he sends uh, pestilence, uh, he sends uh, uh, a drought, uh, all kinds of things that God does. Uh, he sends a big wind. He sends a storm out there on the. Uh, uh, a storm called Euryclidon, and and just all kinds of things that the Lord does, uh, whether it's a, a definite judgment upon someone. I mean, obviously, the judgment, the, the big one that we know of was the flood of Noah. So we know that he sends those things. And uh, again, like I said, uh, God is no respect of persons. And uh, the the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust, or it doesn't fall on the just and the unjust. So, you know, just because we're a Christian and we happen to be in this community where God's judgment is going to fall because of the sin of the people, uh, it's still going to fall, whether the Christian's there or not. Mm -hmm. Amen. But, and uh, it might be surprising to some listening here that... Uh, sodomy and the sodomite agenda and the sex perverts you know aren't spoken in a loving way in the bible spend some time spend some time in spend some time in romans chapter 1 verses 26 through 27 first kings 14 24 leviticus 18 20 through 22 through 29 first corinthians 6 9 i mean it's there's plenty 
There's plenty there. I don't care, um, you know, how you think you can interpret that differently. You can't. I mean, it's it's pretty plain. Amen. That's why the uh, the way this uh, whole world is going, especially this nation, this country is going. I, I truly believe that uh, coming soon. I mean, this Bible is going to be hate literature, and uh, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna say, hey, you can't. You can't preach it open in the open air because it's uh, hate literature against the sodomites and against all the other sins and stuff like that, which, you know, now it's not even called sin. Now people parade it around and, you know, people that are not sodomites actually go to these parades and watch these uh, the sodomites come down the street and stuff like that. And, and now with the street preachers out there preaching against it, I mean, they're looked on as, you know, just hate, you know, hateful and vengeful and but I mean, th- th- we're not doing it because we're hateful or vengeful. We're doing it because right. we're, you know, we care about their souls, right. and uh, you know, we care about this nation, and we care about, uh, you know, that we're hurting God. Really, I mean, it's it's God is long suffering, you know, and and He sits through all of this, and He watches all this, and He just wishes that, you know, people would just get right with with God and and just serve Him and. But we have all this, you know, this this terrible stuff going on, which it's it's just sad to see. You know, I I, I want to just make this clarification. You know, as I believe it's already been alluded to, uh, an individual can do and believe what they want, and I I will support their right to do that. Uh, but equally, they should also allow me the freedom to believe what I believe and to state what I what I state. I mean, they're not holding back and stating what they believe and even being derogatory and insensitive to, to us by calling us names and all kinds of things. Uh, but, you know, why would you deny us uh, as, as Christians uh, who differ with your opinion? Why would you deny us the, the same freedom that you are exercising uh, to voice against it? Uh, you know, our, our, uh, really, our uh, gripe is not so much against your sin, because I've got my own sins, uh, but my gripe is against the exploitation of that and, uh, you know, denying the right to be able to speak out against it. You know, if I were to deny you the right to speak as you speak, you would be all over me for being you know, intolerant and so forth. Yet you call me intolerant. You call me intolerant all the time. But yet, if I were to say something against you, then, you know, or or whatever, I, I'm probably getting my words mixed up here, but but I think you understand what I'm trying to get across is the, the same right should be extended both ways. Yeah. And if you choose to do what you want to do, that's between you and God. I believe that you're wrong. And uh, according to the Scriptures... Uh, you know, anyone that sins against God is going to go to hell. And I don't want anybody to go to hell. I believe God died for you just as much as he died for me. The, the only difference is is that he, there's only one way to get there. There's not many roads. Amen. And uh, that's what we're trying to get across. And if you choose not to believe that, that's your choice again. But uh, don't think that we are hateful of the people. We're hateful of the sin. And that's where it really boils down to. All right, so that uh, I think that covers the quote of the day. Well, let's go ahead and get in right into our uh, lesson for today, which is called Which Bible is the Right One? And we're going to have Steve start us off. Steve, go ahead, take it away. All 
right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, again, the study we're going to uh, go through today is which Bible is the right one. Some time ago, and this been a number of years ago, I had a man accuse me of being a bibliolater. And uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with that, a bibliolater is someone who worships the Bible. And when I had gone to Bible school, that's the first time I'd ever heard that term was in Bible school. Somebody said, don't be surprised. Somebody may call you a bibliolater because you believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. And and, uh, that term was used by someone who disagreed with my particular stand because I believed in the King James Bible. Uh, you know, a lot of times the reason why these people use that, that term or that phrase or that word is to try to in, intimidate or try to make me feel or us feel that we've committed some sin by placing the Word of God in such high esteem. But I'd like to draw your attention to a couple of verses or a couple of portions of Scripture. Go to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Psalm 138, take a look here in verses 1 and 2. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now that's a pretty high position. God has magnified his word above all his name. Now I want you to understand something about that name. Take a look in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now keep in mind, God said he magnified his word above all his name. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, start there. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, talking about Jesus Christ, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now the name that is above every name is the name of Jesus Christ, yet God has placed his word or magnified his word above all thy name. Now, after what we've just read, I wonder if, if they which would uh, accuse, or if they would accuse the Lord of being a bibliolater, you know, by placing too much emphasis on the Word of God, or or placing it too high, or or worshiping it. Uh, God places pretty high value on that book, and if we hold it in high esteem, that I guess I'm guilty of being a bibliolater. Um. God says this. He says that his words are pure. It says in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5 and 6, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Also, God's words endure forever. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 25, It says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. That's pretty high praise for that. That word, the one that he had in his hand, the one that he preached the gospel from, 
is the one that he said would endure forever. Uh, forever. Those who disagree with us uh, would have you believe that it is our preference to believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. And in actuality, it's really our belief is based upon Scripture. I want to give you four things. And uh, God gave us his word by these means, these four things. First of all, by revelation. That is God to man. In John chapter 17 and verse 14. John chapter 17, verse 14, it says this, I have given them, this is Jesus Christ speaking in the prayer to the Father, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. That first phrase is what I want to draw your attention to. Jesus Christ gave them God's word. In Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, start in verse 2. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote uh, in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand, or when ye read, I'm sorry, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. God gave revelation to Paul, and he wrote it down so that uh, the people could read it and understand it. In 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now that's revelation, God to man. Number two, inspiration, man to paper man to paper. <clears throat> Towards the end of the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 16 and verse 22, <clears throat> Paul was speaking, but a guy by the name of uh, Tertius, Tertius, something like that, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. So Paul told him basically to give his own little uh, uh, salutation or, or, or whatever uh, to the people that they were writing to. Also in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 36, I want you to see this verse as well. Jeremiah chapter 36, start in verse 1. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of, Ju- uh, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book. And write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel. Skip down to verse 4. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. So you have inspiration, man to paper. The third thing is preservation, paper to paper, if you will. In Isaiah chapter 59, Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 21, it says this, As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth 
shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Also a verse that we've already covered here or mentioned in Psalm 12, Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. There's a promise of preservation, paper to paper, from one manuscript to another manuscript. And the last one, number four, is illumination. This is from the paper to the heart. This is where God takes what's written down in a book and he ministers it to the heart of the individual that is reading. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says this, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. One more. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath uh, taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, those that would confuse you about this, uh, about the Bible, believe Number one, number two, and number four. In other words, they believe in the revelation of, of God to man. They believe in the inspiration, man to paper. And they also believe in the illumination from the paper to the heart. But they do not believe in number three. They do not believe in preservation. I have a, an evangelist friend of mine that calls this the dumb God theory after having stated that he would preserve his word from this generation forever, is now incapable of keeping his promise, then leaving it up to man to decide for himself which reading shall, should really be the one in the Bible. Now, that makes gods out of the men. That's what really happens. This position, the position that God is not able to keep his promise, that it leaves it up to man to decide. This is the, the position uh, uh, of choice and preference and really is unscriptural. What you're left with is confusion. Uh, you ever been to one of those Bible studies where they all sit around and, and someone will say, will read something and say, well, what does it say in your Bible? Now, what does it say in your version? Well, what does yours say? And so forth. And they just go back and forth and back and forth. And, and, and nothing really is accomplished. The only thing that comes out of those things is you had a sense of contributing and sharing. 
and there wasn't anything really learned at all. All you did was hear one person say this and say, well, my Bible doesn't say that. My Bible says this. There's no absolute authority. And we need to have an authority. We believe that the Bible is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Without it, we're subject to our own opinion. Now, anything that you hear on this podcast, we may say, this is my opinion. But when we say that, we try to qualify it and say, this is my opinion. But most of the time on this show, you're going to find that we're going to say, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Bible says. And not try to give you our opinion. You know, like I said, it, it, it fosters confusion. And of course, the Bible has something to say about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse 33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion. Now, if I were to take you out there and, and somehow if we were all able to speak and hear one another, and you were to take the NIV and, and someone else was able to take the New English Version and someone else was to, to take the New World Standard or New World Translation and somebody else was to take the American Standard Version and I took the King James and we all got on the same verse and we all read at the same time, you know what you'd have? you'd have absolute confusion because no one would be able to, to understand if they were listening to what anyone was saying unless you read really, really loud. You ever try to re read responsively? If everyone has the same version and everyone is reading together, there's no problem understanding. There is no confusion. Now, I want to draw your attention before we get on to the next phase of this, this study. There's, there's uh, four verses I'd like to go through. And uh, have you keep these things in mind as we go through the next phase. First of all, go to Deuteron Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Take a look in verse 2. Ye shall not add unto the words which I command you neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Now, here you say, well, that's in the Old Testament. That's what he told Moses. That's what he told the children of Israel. Yeah, that's what he told them. And he told them not to add to the book, nor to subtract from the book. Pretty straightforward command. <clears throat> they were supposed to leave it as God gave it to Moses. That's how they're supposed to leave it. In Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 32, it says this, What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add hitherto, nor diminish from it. Again, that's from the beginning of the book. Now let's go to the middle of the book. Go to Proverbs. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30, begin in verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. So that same admonition is made in the, be in the beginning of the book and in the middle of the book. Let's go to one more. Let's try the end of the book. Go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, let's look in verse 18 and 19. 
For I testify unto every man that heareth the words, not the meanings, not the message, the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. That's a pretty strong statement. That would kind of lead you to believe to leave the book alone. I think you get that kind of impression. Now, what we want to do now with this in mind is let's compare. Grab your Bible and follow along. Now, we're going to give some verses, and we're going to read those verses. And I'm going to read it out of the King James, and then Eric and Matt are going to read from a couple other versions, and I've got a couple of versions here, probably just use one of them anyway. And we're going to go through those versions and see what each of these verses say to see if they agree with one another, to see if they, they are actually saying the same thing, to see which one gives God the glory, to see which one exalts him, to see which one doesn't detract or cast any doubt on any of the doctrines of the Word of God. That's what we're trying to, to, de to determine here. So if you've got a New American Standard, get it out, follow along. If you've got a New American Standard Version or a New World Translation or a Revised Version, or if you have a Catholic Bible, get it out, take a look, see what it says, judge for yourself. In light of what we've just talked about, you should come to some pretty significant conclusions. And we're not here to tell you what you should do. We're just trying to present some information so you can make a choice between you and the Lord. And that's really where it all boils down to. If you make a decision because I've kind of twisted your arm into making one, then as soon as I'm out of the picture and as soon as you've forgotten about me, you'll go back to what you believed before. But the Lord is ever-present. And if you make a decision between you and Him, you're likely to keep that decision and keep that, uh, that position for quite some time. So now we're going to go and we're going to take a look at some of these things from the Word of God and uh, allow these, uh, these quotes to speak for themselves. All right, Matt, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, Eric, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Now I'm going to give the verse a number of times so that you get a chance to get to these particular places. And uh, <clears throat> that way you'll be able to check and see uh, what your version says. The first one I'd like for you to go to is Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11. Now, I just want to caution you just in case, uh, you know, when we go through some of these things, not every version is going to disagree. Sometimes they will agree. So I just want you to be aware of that. All right. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11. Verse 11. I'm going to read it from the King James, and then I'd like for you to follow along. And then I'm going to have Matt and I'm going to have Eric read from their perspective versions that they have out. Matthew 18, 11, it says this, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. That's a pretty amazing statement. I'd say it's a pretty important statement because that tells you why he came. 
but it says, for the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Matt, what do you have? You're I don't have anything. The, you're reading from the, what, the New American Standard? The New American Standard, yep. And uh, what does uh, it no, say? No, I'm sorry, the, uh, the NIV. You had the NIV. Okay, I'm yep. sorry. Which is the New International Version. New International right. Version, okay. And you, what, what does it say? It has nothing for 11. I've got verse 10 and verse 12, but nothing for verse 11. You mean they leave that verse totally out? They do. Wow. Eric, what about you? The uh, New American Standard has a uh, footnote that says early manuscripts do not contain this verse. Hmm. Well, we are going to go over that information in another time. If you try to go through manuscript evidence and all the things that we're going through right now, we'd be here for hours and hours and hours. So that's going to give us uh, some, some subjects to t- cover at another time. But suffice it to say that it, doesn't, it leaves it out. It doesn't have it in the, in the text. And that's where it's important, is in the text. All right, go to the next verse. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, chapter 15, verse 28. Mark, chapter 15, verse 28. Again, this is a real important one, because this is talking about uh, the Scripture being fulfilled. It says this, And the Scripture was fulfilled which saith, He was numbered... Uh, uh, with the transgressors. Now, it's talking about a prophecy from the Old Testament and its fulfillment in the New Testament. And it says this one more time, And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, And he was numbered with the transgressors. Matt, what do you have? The NIV has nothing. I mean, it left it out again. They left it out. Wow. The New American Standard has uh, in parentheses, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with transgressors. But again, the footnote says early manuscripts do not contain this verse. Um, and also, I checked another Bible. I checked the, uh, let's see, the New Living Translation uh, doesn't have it. It doesn't have it. No. And uh, the the message has a, it's put together a few verses, but but that that the content of that verse is gone also out of the well, Bible called the Message. The uh, the uh, Catholic Bible has it in it. It has the verse in there, and the the New World Translation has left it out. Has left it out. All right, let's go to the next one. Go to Mark. We're in Book of Mark. Go to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we're going to take a look at verses 2 and 3. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. All right, Matt, what do you have? In the NIV it says, It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now you know what the problem with that is? It says just one prophet. It just singles out Isaiah. And the New American Standard does that also. It does. And uh, let's see, the uh, New World Translation says Isaiah. And the... uh, the uh, Catholic version, Dewey Reams, says Isaiah as well. 
the King James says prophets, and the reason why it says prophets is because it's quoting from two different, two different men. The first quote there in verse 2 is from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, and the second verse, verse number, uh, verse number 3, I believe it is, it's a, it's a quote from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. So the King James puts it right, says it is written in the prophets. The other versions mess with it and just quote from Isaiah, and they're dishonest because it is, there's two different prophets there, not just one. All right, go to another verse here. Go to Luke, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. There's a couple of verses here. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read it from the King James. Luke chapter 2 and verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Verse 43. And when uh, they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew it not, knew not of it. All right, Matt, what do you got? All right, in Luke uh, 2, chapter 2, verse 33, in the NIV, it says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then down in verse 43, it says, After the feast was over, while his parents... Or returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Now, you understand there's a distinction that they're making there. Now, it's, it's, your version says father and mother. The King James makes it very clear that Joseph and his mother, signifying that Joseph wasn't his real father. Joseph was not the father of Jesus Christ. Now, yes, he was his parent, and I suppose you could leave that, that second one talking about his parents, that would probably be okay, but the King James still makes it very clear. Matt, or, or, or Eric, what do, you, what do you have on yours? New American Standard Bible, same thing, and his father and mother were amazed right. at the things which are being said about him. Now, you, you think, well, that's, that's really kind of trivial. Well, it's not so trivial because Jesus Christ rebukes his mother. Take a look in verse 49. After they find him in the temple, it says in verse 49, and he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? He wasn't speaking of Joseph's business. He was talking about the Lord. Amen. And he corrects her and says, My father's business. Wasn't talking about Joseph. So the King James Bible, again, is, is accurate when it says Joseph and his mother. And I want to interrupt you, Steve, too. It it says here in the NIV in verse 49, it says, Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Wow. Yeah, same thing with the New American Standard. It says, Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? See, that's that's not the same thing. I mean, you know, being there is not doing his business. Right. I mean, you can try to make that an inference if you knew what the King James said. You can make that inference. But if you're just reading it from what, from your text, it doesn't, it doesn't give you the indication that he's doing anything there. He just has to be there. By the way, the, the New World Translation has uh, Father, and also the, the Catholic Bible has Father as well. <clears throat> All right, let's go no, on to the no. next one. You I'm know, I, I hate to say it, but so far that's not so accurate. No, it's not. It's not. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. 
Matthew chapter 5. We're going to take a look at verse there in verse 22. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 22. But I say unto you, this is Jesus Christ speaking, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Recha shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Now what does yours say, Matt? The NIV says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother Reka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Okay. Uh, Eric? New American Standard Bible says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, You good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Now, I want to, I want to, first of all, I want to say one thing. Uh, I'm not going to quote the verse, but in Galatians, one of the books of, uh, I think it's Galatians 3, chapter 3, it's, uh, Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians, uh, so forth and so on. So Paul calls somebody a fool. So according to the verses you guys read, he's in danger of hellfire. I want to read you this. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 5, <clears throat> this is Jesus Christ speaking. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. <clears throat> and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Now, according to your versions, guys, this says Jesus Christ was angry, and he is in danger of the judgment. Right. You know what's taken out? without a cause that gives you the what the, so much the license or the uh, what is the the qualifier that's the word I'm looking for it gives you the qualifier it says <clears throat> but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause Jesus Christ had a cause Paul had a cause but if you take out that statement there's no condition and therefore, you've made Jesus Christ a sinner. You've made Paul a sinner and in danger of, of hellfire. You see how important it is not to add or subtract? You've just taken the sinless Son of God and you've made him a sinner through those versions. All right, let's go one more. Or go to another one. Go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. By the way, the, uh, the uh, uh, New World Translation and also the, uh, the Catholic Bible say the same thing. They leave out that statement without a cause. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> Let's begin in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. This is talking about the Ethiopian eunuch. And you met him on the way in the chariot and so forth. And uh, it says there, continue on. And as they went on their way, they came unto certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine, uh, with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, 
I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. All right, Matt, what do you got? All right, in the NIV, uh, it says, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. You notice what they left out there? If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It talks about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. That's what salvation is. Now they've taken that confession totally out, and what you've done is you have water baptism. There's no confession there. So he, he, he preaches to him, Jesus. He sees the water. He says, why can't I be baptized? They command the chariot to stand still, and he baptizes him. What you have is water baptism there. Eric, what does yours read? New American, New American Standard has pretty much the same thing. They, they do have that uh, verse, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. But it's in parentheses at the bottom with uh, early manuscripts do not contain this verse. So they cast doubt upon is what they've done. Yeah. And it still teaches the same thing. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Bible has the same thing. Uh, the Jehovah Witness uh, Bible, um, actually, no, the Catholic Bible has it in it. My mistake. The Catholic Bible has it in it. The Jehovah Witness Bible leaves verse 37 completely out and teaches water baptism. You know, Steve, I have to say, when you when you finally look at it real closely, you see that the verse is actually missing, you know, and the same thing with the other one that was missing. It, it goes from 36... Uh, and then goes to verse 38. So it totally takes out verse 37. But the problem is, is that it's not like the King James. NIV is not like the King James. The, the King James has the, the uh, verse, verse numbers, uh, you know, separated. Indexed uh, on the left side. Exactly. Indexed on the left side. The, the, the NIV, it's all in, you know, interwoven in throughout the, uh, the verses. So it's, it's very hard. Like when you say go to this passage of scripture, it takes me... Uh, a long time to be able to figure out where these <laughs> verses are. And uh, yeah. that, that's one indicator right there for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's go to another one. Go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. This is a short verse. King James says this in verse 8. Go ye up unto the feast. I go not up yet unto the feast, for my time is not yet full come. Matt, what do you got? You go to the feast, I am not yet going up to this feast, because for me the right time has not yet come. Okay, so they have the word yet in there. Eric, do you have that word in there? New American Standard says, go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast, because my time has not yet fully come. See, they left that word yet out. Do you realize that in two verses he goes to the feast? So when you leave that word yet out, you leave the qualifier that he's, he's not going up with the family, but he's going up later. He will go to the feast, but he's going to go up later. So what you've done is you've, you've, you've made Jesus Christ a liar. Because it's, if you read it like, like this... Go ye up to this feast. I go 
uh, I go not up unto this feast, for my time has not yet come. That's indicating he's not going to go up there. Then he shows up. He just lied. Right, and the New American Standard says, I do not go up to this feast because my time is not yet fully come. Right. So let me see here. Um, The New World Translation leaves out the word yet. And uh, the the uh, Dewey Reams leaves out the word yet, so they're both both corrupted there. All right, I've got a few more verses left here. Go to First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. All right, Matt, what do you got? <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> it says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Grow up <laughs> in your salvation. That, okay, I can... I, I can live with that. Grow up in your salvation. Yeah, it's close. Uh, Eric, what do you got? New American Standard. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Again, that's close. But listen to this one. This is from the from the Catholic Bible. Crave as newborn babe, babies, or babes, pure spiritual milk that by it ye may grow to salvation. Mm. In other words, teaching a work system of salvation, not by faith. Well, it kind of goes along with their religion. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The New World Translation says that ye may grow to salvation. It's work salvation, Mm -hmm. which both of them believe. Yeah. All right, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. All right, Matt. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, They left out through his blood, right? That's right. The, The means of our salvation is the blood of Jesus Christ. It says through his blood. You leave it out, and it, it reads, in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> it takes out the means. <laughs> That's right. Amen. Eric, what about yours? Same thing in the New American Standard. It says, in whom we have redemption, the, forgiven, the forgiveness of sins. Both of these uh, versions have it. The New World Translation and the, King, and the uh, 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 Dewey Reams version both take that out. All right, we got another one here. Let's go to Second Samuel. Back in the Old Testament, Second Samuel. Second Samuel, chapter twenty-one. Second Samuel. Oh wow, I'm in numbers. What am I doing in numbers? <laughs> there we go. Second Samuel. Twenty-one. 
This is what the King James Bible reads. In verse 19, it says this, And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jerorogram, <laughs> nice try, Steve, uh, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. All right, Matt, what do you got? Oh, let's see. Verse 19. In another battle with the Philistines at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jer Origim, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. Read that last part again after Bethlehemite. Uh, the Bethlehemite killed Goliath the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. Eric, what do you got? Uh, New American Standard. There was war with the Philistines again at Gob, and Elhanan, the son of Jerah Oregim, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Wait a minute. I thought David killed Goliath. Yeah. Here we've got Elhanan killing Goliath. Well, that's because you're, you're using the King James Bible. We're using the New American Standard. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows that Elhanan killed Goliath. Yes, absolutely. Even <laughs> in spite of what 1 Samuel 17 says. See, these new, these new Bibles are wonderful because they, they update it and make it so easy to understand and read and follow along. It's just it's just. Well, uh, see, slop. you know what they did there? I tried, I'm acting dumb here, but I know what they've done. See, the words, the brother of right before Goliath, mm -hmm. is, are in italics. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to be true to their stand of, of saying that the italics words are not important and so forth. They're not part of the scripture. They're not part of the manuscripts. Therefore, they shouldn't be in there. The King James translators shouldn't have ever translated them, so forth and so on. Even though these italicized words add clarification to the text, uh, they're, they're still... They're dishonest about that. The, the italicized words are important. They do have a meaning. There is a purpose behind them. And uh, they have to be in there or you, you, start, you have an error with your Bible. And if you have an error with your Bible, then, then what can you trust and what do, can you not trust? It's, it's a vicious cycle. All right. Let's go to, there's a couple that these guys, Eric and, and, and Matt, had given to me, so I don't have them prepared ahead of time, but let's go to, go to uh, Numbers 21. This is a good one. Numbers <laughs> 21. Let's take a look in verse 14. This is the King James. It says, Wherefore, it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord, what he did in the Red Sea and in the brooks of Arnon. Okay, anybody want to take a guess or <laughs> venture at this? Sure, yeah. I'd, I'd love to. The New <laughs> okay. American Standard Bible, which, of course, you know, they're, they're, they're really great at updating the language so it's so easy to understand. Took all those, you know, these and thous, and, you know, which were really slowed us down. And, and here's how they've translated that to make it so much easier to understand. Therefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord, Wahib and Supa and the Wadis of the Arnon. 
<laughs> oh, that's that's just beautiful. That's so I'm easy really, to understand. I, I understood that completely. <laughs> How many times do you say the Wahib and Supa and the Wadis of the Arna? Oh man! Let, so, me, let me let me clear I'm, it up with my translation, Dad. All right, is this the NIV, the beautiful this NIV, which is, is up the NIV? There? Same verse, verse fourteen. That is why the book of the wars of the Lord says Wahib in Supa in the ravines. That's 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 wonderful. Steve, would you read the King James again, and let's see which one's easier to understand and read. I, if I could read it with a straight face now. <laughs> Wherefore it is said in the book uh, in the book of the wars of the Lord, what he did in the Red Sea and in the brooks of Arnon. Yeah, well, I I couldn't understand that. I think the Washib and Rahub and all that kind of stuff. Help me understand it so much better. See, it's nice that they've transliterated what the Hebrew right into the English. You know, yeah. they, they 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 tried to find fault in the New Testament for transliterating some words and so forth, and uh, you know, then they go and do this. It's just unbelievable. They play both sides of the of the same coin. All right, let's try another one. Go to Proverbs. We've got two more left. Proverbs twenty six. Proverbs 26. Get there. Yep. I have it. Yet yeah, Proverbs 26. I'm getting there. Proverbs 26, verse 22. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go, uh, they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. All right. Anybody got anything revelation on that one? The NAV says the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. Choice morsels. Mm-hmm. That that's not quite the wounds <laughs> that go into the wounds means it's bad. Morsels, right. tasty morsels, kind of makes it seem like it's good. Uh, so it's got an opposite meaning there. Which mm-hmm. one's right? Right. The New American Standard uh, says the words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, mm. and they go down into the intermo- innermost parts of the body. Mm. I thought you would like choice morsels or dainty <laughs> morsels, but apparently, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't get it how this doesn't make much sense in, the, in these Bibles. Yeah. All right, let's go to one more. Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 25. This is uh, Nebuchadnezzar speaking after he's already thrown the three Hebrew children into the fiery furnace. And he says in verse 25, at lo... And he, said, uh, and he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Capital S-O-N of capital G-O-D. All right, what do you guys got? The NIV says in verse 25, He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unarmed and the fourth looks like a son of the gods so that's a son s a uh, small lowercase s-o-n of the small g-o-d-s son wow. of the gods huh. 
And the New American Standard Bible continues with that slop and says, He said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like a small S-O-N of the small G-O-D-S. I mean, that that just attacks the deity of Jesus Christ right there. I mean, that, that, that's Jesus Christ walking around that fire, and that, that these versions take that totally out, that that's Jesus Christ. Are you ready for this? The uh, Dewey Reams version for, for verse 25 says this, Then Azarias, standing up, prayed in this manner, and opened his mouth in the midst of the fire. He said, Blessed art, uh, verse 26, Blessed art thou, O Lord, the God of our fathers, and so forth and so on. Hmm. 25, it doesn't even have anything near. Yeah. That's really weird. Wow. Let me, let me check. Try one more time here in the New World Translation. I got to turn there, so bear with me. And like you said, Matt, they've got it all, all the verses all intertwined. Yeah. So it's real hard for you to find it. 325 we're looking for, right? Yep. The ending of it is the same. It says, the sons of the gods, small s, small g. So they attack the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, guys you know I, I think you guys will i'm sure will will uh admit with me that that the new versions do not make it easier to understand and that they do attack doctrines of the word of god and that uh the king james gives the preeminence to the lord it gives him glory it exalts him and uh in every case and uh, again, it doesn't attack any of the doctrines that we hold dear, whether it's the doctrine of salvation or the deity of Jesus Christ or the blood atonement, uh, any of those things. Right. And uh, I think people that would try to, to uh, demonize those that say, oh, you believe the King James Bible is the word of God. What do you think? It parachuted out of heaven, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the derogatory remarks and trying to come up with all kinds of things. You know, like I said earlier, in another podcast, we'll go through some of the manuscript evidence as much as we can on this kind of a format, because really, you, you kind of need to see some of the things in order to understand it. But, uh, uh, you know, what you have is, is a perversion being passed off as a Bible. And let me just say this, you know, what you have in your hand, if you have another version besides a King James Version. I'm not talking about a new King James or anything else. I'm talking about an old King James Bible. Is you have a counterfeit. And the one thing I want to keep have you keep in your mind is that who is the one that wants to counterfeit the Lord? Amen. It's certainly not the Lord himself. The Lord is not the author of confusion. It was the devil that came to the garden and cast doubt upon the word of God. Yea, hath God said, and he cast doubt on it. Now, all of these Bible versions that are coming out, they compare themselves to the King James. That's what we just did here this evening. And they don't match up. And they have to keep coming out with another version, and another version, and another version, and another version. And they're always comparing themselves to the King James because that's the one. That's the one with power. Amen. That's the truth. Amen. And the devil's trying to send a counterfeit to, to do people so that they don't have the truth that they need to have, place their faith in. Now, here's what I don't understand. 
knowing that, or even seeing the, the few verses that we looked at tonight, why would someone choose to use a Bible that low rates and downgrades the deity of Jesus Christ, removes the blood? I mean, poses all these questions about his deity mm-hmm. and, and, and really isn't, isn't easier to understand. No. Why would you, why would you use that? Because they don't want to appear stupid. You know, the, the modern scholars and preachers have intimidated people into feeling that they're stupid if they, if they believe that old archaic book and they should, you know, update themselves. Uh, they should modernize themselves. They should become educated. Uh, and really, they've become gods unto themselves. And I think, you know, there are some that really don't know about this, uh, you know, this whole issue. And and for those that are listening and that have just been kind of looking at all this and and have looked at this for the first time, maybe have heard about it a little bit here and there, but have never really taken the time to study it out. Um, I hope, it, you know, your studies don't just stop here. I hope you really, um, really search this out now. We have a link on our website about... Uh, uh, from BibleBelievers.com. You can go on there and it t- uh, go to Bible versions, and it's got a whole bunch of stuff that you can check out there. Um, and just really pray, pray to God about it, and really, um, really search it out for yourself. Because uh, you know, if, like I said, if you're really studying this out for the first time, it's going to be a shock to you. But but definitely uh, search the scriptures. You know, and if you're honest, I remember when I first heard about this issue, and and I was I was shocked when I found out what, what was happening here. But, you know, I, I originally thought that all the Bibles are the same, they all come from the same place, and so they've just tried to update it to help us out so we can understand it better. But just looking at what we looked at today, you can see that isn't the case. And, and as Steve mentioned before, when we, we do take a look at some of the manuscript evidence, you, you'll see that it's, it goes much deeper than that. These, these Bibles all come from a different line of manuscripts than what the King James comes from, right? And, and those are corrupt manuscripts, and and you can see right now from the fruit of, of what we just the few verses that we looked at that something's terribly wrong. They they, they are counterfeits of the real thing. Yep. That's right. And and just to give a couple of verses, uh, I know we've given a whole bunch of verses already, but but just either the translators or or the devil himself trying to uh, cover up. Um, you know, what God says about his words, that they're going to be preserved uh, from generation to generation forever. If you look up Psalm chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, it's a promise by God to preserve his words. Uh, and, and we have gone over that verse already. If you, if you look at that, uh, it takes out his, uh, that, that thou shalt preserve them forever. And it says something to the effect of uh, preserve him or preserve us or, or save us, something like that. So it takes out that it's gonna that God's gonna preserve His words, um, and totally takes that promise out. Also, if you look at Second Corinthians chapter two verse seventeen, you know Paul Paul talks about those that corrupt the word of God. Uh, if you look at most of the new versions, uh, they change that to peddle or or you know peddle the word of God or you know stuff like that, which totally takes away corrupting. Corrupting is just totally making it um, into something detestable that's not uh, the right. word of God at all. And uh, the big verse for me is Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen, which um, brother Chris Drews uh, is a good brother in the Lord um, that hopefully will be on the show soon. He's assistant pastor in the Bronx at a good Baptist church there. Uh, that 
he would always instill pretty much every time he would start uh, the Sunday schools that he would preach and teach. Uh, he'd always come to this verse first, uh, uh, this verse first, which is Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen, which is study to show thyself approved unto God. And you know the thing with that is it says the study that you actually have to study. Uh, the other verses talk about do your best, try diligently, uh, things like that. The thing is, is that these other versions don't want you to study because once you start studying, you're going to find a lot of these things out that, hey, that, you know, there's differences in these different versions and there's problems in these different versions as well. Well, one thing I just want to mention, uh, you know, I don't know how much longer you guys want to go, but when, when I teach this, uh, I've taught manuscript evidence class and, and uh, also I've done a form of this in other venues where uh, uh, when we go through these things and we compare these versions, we have over 30, probably close to 30 versions that we use and we compare. We've just uh, used a few of them here. And uh, uh, again, like I said at one time, not all of them are going to disagree all of the time. But the presiding uh, or prevailing uh, witness is that they disagree with the King James Bible. And uh, they've used other manuscripts, corrupt manuscripts that come from a different place, and uh, uh, they're attacking the Word of God. And the devil is using it. And if that offends you, I, you know, sorry about that, but I, I'm just trying to speak the truth. They're counterfeit, and they're corrupt, and uh, they're attacking the Lord, and they're attacking His deity, and they're attacking all, this, all these other things that we've already discussed, and they're not giving him the glory. Amen. And you right. could say that they're not they're not needed there, or you know the real older manuscripts really say. Well, we can go over some of those older manuscripts at another time. But you're going to find out that that really truly isn't true. Amen. All right. Well, I as good as as that was that was I thought that was a great podcast I, I, and an important one. And yeah, amen. And. Um, Thanks again, guys, for for being here and taking the time and and uh, taking a look at this. And I'm looking forward to to more uh, studies on this subject as well. Yeah, thank you. If you uh, listeners, if you please, you know, drop us a line. Uh, you can reach us at the uh, the website at that'sinthebible.com. You can also send us an email to uh, that'sinthebible at gmail.com. Um, concerns, questions, uh, topics you'd like to see covered, or, or specific things you'd like to say about the, the podcast we presented tonight on which it, Bible is the right one. Uh, we believe it's the King James Bible, Amen. and uh, we we encourage you to search it out for yourself. If if uh, you need to, you know, rewind and listen to this again and, and check it out with your Bible. Perhaps you were listening at a spot where you didn't have your Bible with you. Um, we encourage you to, don't, as Steve said at the beginning, don't take our word for it. Follow along with us. Take a look and see if what we're saying is, in fact, true. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next time. And uh, we'll Eric, get... Eric, yes. can I can I uh, interject one thing? Absolutely. Uh, this has been this has been going on for a little while. There's a gentleman that asked a question out there, and uh, I'm sure he feels that we're, we're avoiding his question. We are not. The reason why we didn't uh, cover it today is because of the length of this podcast. But uh, just so that he knows and he'll know who he is, uh, you know, the answer is forthcoming. 
and uh, not afraid to answer the question. So we'll take care of it at a, at a future podcast. All right. Amen. And uh, Gordon, I think he was talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> now you know who you are. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see everybody here back here again real soon. And uh, thanks again for listening to That's in the Bible. Heaven where